you can't approach me because you're sinful and unclean. Right. And so something has to die. Right. And it's blood shed so that you can approach me. Right. And this is all the right. um, the whole theme of the substitute. Something had to die. Welcome back to Word of Grace. Um, summer's here. Uh, at least it feels like it. A warmer week this week. Derek, good to be with you again. Good to be with you, We're Pastor. We're here recording in the morning now and uh, had a nice breakfast. Um, and we have a guest with us on the podcast today. Uh, the guest is not going to introduce himself today because he's too busy <laughs> texting right now. Um, <laughs> uh, Max is here. Uh, Max is going to serve as our intern this summer. And maybe later on in the summer, he'll say some things in the podcast, but he's just listening in right now to your wisdom. To my wisdom? Yes, he's here to listen to your wisdom. (laughs) So what would be the first words of wisdom that you would provide, Max, for the summer months? Max, just uh, sit back and relax. No. (laughs) (laughs) Only kidding. (laughs) He's already done that. Um, No, it's exciting. We're going to have a good summer, and uh, he's going to listen in with us on our episodes today. Typically, we record three in a day. We're going to try to do that, and we're in the middle of, uh, actually not in the middle, we just started the book It Is Well, uh, which is a, um, a study on the substitutionary atonement of the, of the um, death of Christ, and we're in chapter two. We're going to try to do, um, you know, about 18 to 20 minutes on these subjects just because uh, I feel like when we get over 20 minutes, it's just a little bit too long, mm-hmm. so we kind of keep it sure. at that length. And we mentioned this last week, uh, not last week, but on Monday when we began the study with the Passover, that the the, um, the substitutionary atonement or the penal substitution theory of the death of Christ is an attacked doctrine, not just from uh, unbelievers, but I think in this chapter specifically, he talked about the progression of attack from unbelievers, Mm -hmm. to liberal Christians, to now even conservative Christians are uh, attacking this doctrine. What do you think is at the heart of that attack of this doctrine, the doctrine that says Jesus paid the penalty for our sins? What what is that the—why is it being attacked? I I think it's because of a distortion of who God is. Uh, People don't want to accept the fact that God is a God who judges sin— They only want to look at him as being a loving God. And being that he's a loving God, there is no way that, uh, number one, that he would punish sin, but he certainly wouldn't punish someone else for another person's sin. Yeah. The the idea of justice goes along with this pretty heavily, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And something we're... uh, this seems to be like a, a buzzword today mm-hmm. for people. We, we want, whether it's social justice or right. racial justice, mm-hmm. people, people want justice. And in a sense, what they want is payback. Is, would right. you say that's what they mean mm-hmm. by justice? Right. Uh, we, it's been a couple of months now, but um, the trial of the murder of George Floyd, right, which... I think 
almost all rational people recognize the wrongness of the act of that policeman, mm-hmm. right? Right. No matter what the other details are, we realize this this is wrong. And and whether it's that or any other crime, people will cry out for justice to be served. Or they can demand justice, but they don't want a God who demands justice. Is that right? Exactly. They want their pound of flesh, but they don't give that same luxury to God who who has been offended more than anyone. Right. Because of sin. Right. They want to go, you know, thinking back to that trial or any trial that we're a part, that we're a part of or we take note of, they want to judge. Let me ask you this, Derek. What, what qualities are they hoping for in a judge? They're wanting a judge to be fair, but I think from a human perspective, they want him to be fair. Uh, I don't think that they can even uh, conceive of a, of a higher being uh, expressing any type of anger for sin or the fact that he needs to exact punishment uh, upon an individual that has wronged him. One of the truths in this particular chapter was that God, in his response to wrongdoing, knows perfectly who is at fault and what punishment is deserved. Right. And he's going to... He's going to mm-hmm. uh, Take his act, act justly, mm-hmm. and take and cause justice to occur. And don't we desire that for others? Yet we don't desire that yes, for yes, ourselves. Yes. In fact, even in Romans twelve nineteen, the Bible says, "Don't have vengeance on someone else, because God is vengeance going to. belongs to the Lord." Yeah. Um. So in last, uh, in last, the last episode, we talked about the death, or we talked about the death of the Passover lamb, which was something that suffered a penalty for another's benefit. And today, we want to talk about the Day of Atonement. That's, that's the main theme. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into the, um, the idea of that here. And again, the time goes so quick. But um, this is all in the context, Derek, of the death of Aaron's sons. Yes. Could you, could you explain what happened there? And I know it, we really don't know, but just for people who aren't familiar, his sons, Nadab and Abihu, died. Right. Why and what happened? Well, the biblical account uh, is not super explicit on the issue, but what it does say is that they were priests, and their responsibility was to offer a prescribed form of worship before God. And uh, we hear some referring to it as the fact that they offered up strange fire. Well, at least we know that it was unauthorized worship. There are even some who think that these two individuals were drunk when they did it, okay. but you, you, you can't pin that down. But at any rate, they approached God in the wrong way, having knowledge of how to properly approach him, but not acknowledging his holiness. When they did approach him with unauthorized worship, the Lord killed them. Okay. You use the same word three times there, mm-hmm. which is a word I want to center on about approaching God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, why can't we, or what is the problem in approaching God for human beings? Well, the thing is, we need to acknowledge the fact, uh, we need to acknowledge his otherness or his transcendence, meaning that he is be, uh, above us, he is holy and pure, and we cannot just haphazardly or we cannot uh, just walk up flippantly before the Lord as though he were just our buddy. 
But there is a particular prescription, again, that he's given in the Old Testament as to how we are to approach him. And when that doesn't occur, then judgment breaks out. So do you think the culture today casually approaches God or flippantly, as you said? Absolutely. I, I think of uh, one instance in particular, uh, there was this lady, she's she's dead now. Her name was uh, Eleanor Jositis. She was over uh, uh, an organization in Detroit where she fed the poor and did all of these different things. And she uh, was diagnosed with cancer, so she wasn't going to live much longer. And she raised her fist. I saw this on, on uh the news. She raised her fist to, to the heavens and said to God, hey, buddy, I'm not done yet. Uh, I think that's the epitome of flippancy and also blasphemy. And that's kind of the mentality of our society today. And so you're saying that casual approach to God comes from our lack of understanding of the otherness or the uniqueness or the holiness of God. Yes, absolutely. And the minimization of our own uncleanness or yes. our sin. Exactly. Culture doesn't want to hear about that today? Don't want to hear that. Yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, when we're driving to school in the morning, Judah and I, uh, there's little keys for kids, uh, one minute or two minute devotional for children before school, and we'll usually be in the car at that moment. And Uncle Charlie's what used to be that, now mm-hmm. he's gone, but there's a new guy on there, and it was it was about sharing the gospel. And I understand. I guess in one minute, it's hard to it's hard to get everything across that you want to say. But the guys, the host of the show, said, "Now, kids, when you're sharing the gospel, you don't want to just tell somebody that they're a bad person or mm. that mm. that they're bad. Mm. You you know, it, it was like I understand what they mean. Like, yeah, we could come off as very rude and tactless in that way, but it was almost as if don't tell your kids they're bad, and it's kind of seeping in." Yes. This idea that yes. people don't want to hear about sin or wrath or justice. People don't want to be told they're bad because they basically think they're good. Right. Now, there's a word that that uh, seems to come up uh, very often in our society today, and it's the word reimagine. It, I hate that word okay. now. <laughs> uh, reimagine uh, what it would be like uh, if the police were defunded and, and, and just so many different things. Mm-hmm. Well, in that same process, that mentality has seeped into the church, and now Christians are wanting to reimagine God. Yeah. God does not change. Right. He was holy 10 million years ago, uh, or, or before time even existed, and he's holy now. He was to be approached a certain way when he was uh, on Mount Sinai, uh, and he, he's to be approached that same way today. Yeah. And so that's really what is at the heart of this chapter on the Day of Atonement, is that those boys died, or men, I would men, suppose, right, died, yeah. uh, Aaron's sons, and God is saying, that's not the way you approach me. You can only approach me this way. Yes. And it, he then, in Leviticus chapter 16, unveils this celebration that would happen in the fall of the Jewish calendar called the Day of Atonement. Do you just want to give a summary, like a one-minute summary of what the Day of Atonement was, and then we can get into some of the details later, and especially we want to point on point people to how that symbolizes Christ. Right. Okay, uh, the Day of Atonement. Uh, first of all, sin always has to be dealt with. Sin always has to be judged, and that was particularly true for the nation of Israel. And the Lord... Uh, uh, show that they were unable to atone for their own sins, but those sins could at least be covered until a future time, which ultimately would, would be when Christ would die on the cross. And so there was one day a year that the high priest 
was charged with the task of going into the most holy place of the temple. First of all, he'd offer a sacrifice for himself because of his own sin, and then he would offer a sacrifice for the people. If that sacrifice was accepted, he was able to walk out without any problems. If in any way that he didn't uh, do that, he would be killed while in the most holy place. Okay, so he would offer a sacrifice for himself. Yes. And he would sprinkle the blood on what is known as the mercy seat. Right. Uh, in this particular chapter, the author says that's really not a great right, phrase. It's a, good, a bad translation, right? It really means it's the cover or the lid mm-hmm. of the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he would also make a, atonement for the sins of all other people. Right. Right. Um, you mentioned the word atonement, and I just did there. What would be a simple and good definition of atonement? You said, we can't atone for our sins. What do you mean by that? Okay, well, for one thing, we can't cover our own sins. And secondly, we cannot sacrifice ourselves in such a way that God would be appro- would approve of it to say, okay, that sin has been covered. Yeah. Okay, so at the heart of this Day of Atonement, then, or the Day of Forgiveness, or the Day of Cleansing, is the idea, and we'll talk about how this is similar and different to Christ in just a minute, but at the heart of this is, um, you can't approach me because you're sinful and unclean. Right. And so something has to die, right? and it's blood shed, so that you can approach me. Right. And this is all the, right. um, the whole theme of the substitute, something had to die. Now, in the chapter, uh, and I know Max read it too, but he's not mic'd up today, but the what were some of the things in the description of the Day of Atonement that stuck out to you? He, he mentioned seven. We don't have time to cover all these. We encourage the people to get the book. We're just mm-hmm. highlighting some things, and especially we want to point them to Christ. We don't want to talk about a Jewish celebration mm-hmm. in and of itself. We want to say right. this, was, this was, as you just said, mm-hmm. in preparation for the people recognize that one day Christ would come mm-hmm. and do this finally and fully. But what about the actual act of Aaron or the high priest doing those things was of interest to you well, or well, could make well, a great application for uh, us? One, the, the one thing that really sticks out to me is the sprinkling of the blood. Uh, the sprinkling of the blood on not the mercy seat, but on the lid or the atoning, uh, uh, the covering of atonement. Uh, and of course, that immediately points to Jesus Christ because yes. that blood of Christ has been sprinkled, and of course, not physically, but it has been sprinkled on us. And according to Hebrews 9 and 22, without uh, the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Right. So uh, th- I think that's the greatest thing that stuck out okay. to me. Yeah, it mentioned things like the garments that Aaron would wear. Right. He put on mm-hmm. the humble clothes, not the royal or regal clothes right. of the high priest. Mm-hmm. I especially like the two goats. Okay. okay, yes. That, that's yes. one thing yes. I want to talk about. The the two goats were chosen and lots were cast. One goat would be sacrificed. One goat would be the goat that would have its blood sprinkled. The other goat would have its the sins of the people symbolically transferred to it, and then it would be released into the wilderness as the scapegoat. And I, I like what the author said, and I've thought this before, that a lot of people think, oh, you know, lucky goat. That goat got <laughs> yeah. to go out into the wilderness. Well, what is going to happen to a goat that is sent out into the desert alone? Is it going to survive and have a wonderful life? It is also going to die. Mm-hmm. But the but the symbol was there's a substitute and then there's a transference, and this goat is going to bear away your sins yes. symbolically yes. 
just as the coming Savior would. The scapegoat is kind of a main theme of the Day of Atonement, isn't okay. it? And the, and the two doctrines that I got from those two goats is, uh, is expiation and propitiation. Now, expiation is talking about the removal of sin, the covering, of course, but the removal and the atonement of sin. So that scapegoat is taking that sin away from you, just like Christ took that took our sins away from us. But then you have propitiation where this holy God's anger had to be satisfied or appeased, and Christ did that as well. So we see the full uh, the full orbed aspect of of the the act of atonement we have the expiation where sin is taken away but more importantly we have the propitiation where the lord the lord has been satisfied excellent doctrines and excellent themes but why do we have to use those big words and i believe that we do okay and i'm glad that you do mm-hmm. but what would you say to people who say i'm just not smart enough to know those words or i don't need to know those deep truths, do I? Mm-hmm. Isn't it enough to know Jesus loves me, this I know? Is it, should, a, should an everyday believer know what expiation is, know what propitiation is? Know a- absolutely. Absolutely, right. Uh, when you stop and think, uh, if you want to remain a half inch deep, yes, you can just live on those superficial truths, but number one, you won't grow, and you won't have a full understanding of what Christ actually did for you. Now, I'll say this, the word propitiation is a biblical word. Yeah. So why would we not use any word that's used that's right. in the Bible? Now, expiation is not in the Bible, but the concept runs throughout the Bible. Yeah, no question. Now, let me ask this. We're, we're hitting the 18-minute mark here or so. Um, how does the Day of Atonement point us to Christ, in what ways is it similar, and in what ways is it different? Okay, I'm going to go with what's different first. Okay, you go with what's different. The difference uh, uh, for Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, is it was a temporary fix. I, I, I like how, I can't remember which author said it, but he referred to it as a tentative holiness. It was a temporal thing, and it could not permanently take away sin, whereas what Christ did on the cross was done once and for all. It's a done deal. I, I think it was also mentioned at that point that every other religion is a religion of do, yes. and Christianity is a religion of done. Done. Amen that for that. Aaron, Aaron, or the high priest, went in every fall yes. for these because yes. it could not completely expiate mm-hmm. or cover or take away sin, whereas it says in Hebrews that when Christ came and did this, he did it once for all. Mm-hmm. There's another very specific way it's different. I don't know if you wanted to okay. touch on that, I, too. I, I don't know where, you, where you're going with it, but I would say that the uh, priest back in those days, had to atone for his own sin. That's where I was going. Where Christ did not have to do that because yeah. he was without sin. He, he, if he would have had to atone for his own sin, he would have been crucified, and then we would have all been left in the lurch. Mm-hmm. Because Absolutely. Then we would all had to pay for our own mm-hmm. sins. But because mm-hmm. he was, as Hebrews, I believe it's 7.26 says, he is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate mm-hmm. from sinners, he does not have to first go in and make a... Right. And I always love in the New Testament when it says he he is seated. Yes. In the Old Testament, yes. during the Day of Atonement, priests are never seated. That's right. Always standing, working, right. running, to place to place, doing this work. Christ, it is finished. Yeah, they say there was no furniture in the, in the, in the right. uh, most holy place, but there is in heaven, and Jesus is seated on the throne. 
So those are the ways that it's different. In what ways is it similar? How does it point us to Christ? And we'll kind of wrap it up. Okay, with it points us to Christ because, it, as far as I understand it, it deals with the issue of sin. Okay, and again, it's temporary, but it covers the sin to where the Lord can say, you can be in my presence because that sin is covered. And not so much because of this earthly act, but again, what it points to. God the Father, is when he looks at sin, and everyone is saved exactly the same way, he looks in the, in the past, uh, in the past, he would uh, look in anticipation to the cross, but now he looks back at the cross, mm-hmm. but it's always the cross that's the central focus yeah. of atonement. And I'll say one other thing about the ways is way in that it's similar is that those people and families on the Day of Atonement had something else die so that they mm-hmm. could be yes. free to approach God. Mm-hmm. And that animal stood in as the substitute... For us, Christ has stepped in as the substitute and died so that we can approach him. And I would just ask anybody who's listening, if this is what God demanded of his son, Mm -hmm. how can we think that we have anything to add to Mm -hmm. that, right? Like our Mm -hmm. works or whatnot. So our encouragement would be to anybody who's listening who does not uh, fully understand or is not fully assured of their standing before God to to uh, embrace the sacrifice that Christ has offered for you and accept him as your substitute. Yeah. Christians should be led to worship, right? I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. Any, other, any other closing thoughts, or we'll wrap this up? We're at the 20-minute well, mark. I think we can so wrap good. it up. Okay, we'll wrap it up, and we'll look forward to Friday's lesson, uh, which will be out of Isaiah 52 and 53. It'll be a good theme for us as we continue the doctrine of substitution. Max, anything to say? Are you awake? Okay, he's looking a little, looking a little sleepy there, Derek. Uh, no, I'm, I'll edit that out. I don't want anybody to think you're sleepy. All right. All right, well, uh, until next time then, thanks for listening, and uh, Lord willing, we'll talk to you on Friday.